Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Ethan Ennold. And we're health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week we're asking, is physiotherapy a waste of time for most people? And if so, why are so many patients referred for it? As ever, we'd like to know what you think, so if you have a question or a suggestion for us at Medical Minefield, tweet us at MedMinefield. So Ethan, this idea came to you, this investigation that we're doing into physiotherapy this week. You you have a slight personal interest, don't you, in, in whether or not physiotherapy is effective? I do. I Over the last five or so years, I've had a, a kind of series of nagging injuries which have lasted for a very long time and each time they happen I have first spoken to my GP because obviously that's what we're told in this country you always contact your GP first and then they send you on to the right person to deal with the problem and every time I've been sent to a physio and every time I've seen a physio it's been very much the same ritual which is they give you a sheet of exercises they send you away and that's basically it. You get these five exercises, maybe five, ten exercises at home. So, for example, I had a hip injury. So I was asked to do kind of hip raises and stretches. And there's no follow-up unless you ask for it yourself. I mean, sorry to interrupt you. I mean, having sat next to you through this process, every time you – I mean, I know you've been in, in, in agony at points. And the big problem is that it's never been quite clear what's caused these problems. So it is a bit of a mystery. And you've really thrown yourself into some of these suggested exercise programs, physiotherapy, and, and been very hopeful. And I've also watched as that, that hope and desire to – be pain-free has slipped away and things have seemed to improve and then go you know reverted etc i guess you've you've begun to doubt whether physiotherapy is the right thing for you i mean on the surface of it it would seem like it would seem like the obvious thing wouldn't it i also think physiotherapy seems like a good option because you're taking your health into your own hands mm. so you are being told if you do these five exercises a day Um, you will get better. It's in your own hands to do that. But the problem is, for the majority of the time that I've been dealing with these injury problems, I've never actually had a doctor examine me. You know, that's not what a physio is for. A physio doesn't do a physical examination of your body. They don't necessarily even make a diagnosis. They just say, well, you have a hip problem, so here are some hip exercises. And Ultimately, what I've found in my own experience and what we've found in our investigation speaking to many other people in similar situations is that that's not enough for a lot of people and it doesn't make a lot of difference. So what is going on here? You've got large numbers of people suffer from these problems. You know, it's it's the most common thing that goes wrong with us. We get, you know, joint pain or back problems or pulled muscles and we, we seek medical help for them if they're particularly bad and troubling us and causing immobility. But it seems like there's something that's disconnected here, really, isn't it? The, 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 I mean, we've heard a lot about the GPs being uh, snowed under, but people are being channeled en masse to physiotherapists given five exercises. I mean, what I started to suspect was that this was some kind of deflection thing, a bit like... I'll give you another example. If you have blocked ears and you go to your GP, and this is something our 
readers or the readers of the mail on sunday particularly who are slightly older will relate to if you if you go to your gp complaining of blocked ears they won't do a thing called syringing your ears anymore which is what they used to do where they shot a jet of water out of a big turkey baster type thing into your ear that dislodged the wax and uh, etc they, they they in fact won't do anything they won't treat impacted earwax which is gross to talk about but you know it's a common problem (laughs) but what they do do is they say you have to go home and drip olive oil into your ear for three weeks or something like that and privately many gps have said to me uh, naming no names that that this doesn't really do anything but it just gets the patient off the call, out of the appointment, etc. Because really, they don't have anything to offer you, and so they're they're deflecting in a certain way. And it kind of feels like the same thing might be going on here. That that you know, you've got a sea of people with pain, which could have many causes and require huge amounts of investigation. But the easier thing might be to tell them to go and see a physiotherapist who will give them a off the rack set of five exercises that might help but probably won't do much. And they might well get better in the meantime anyway. So it, it, it kind of cuts out a lot of the investigation, a lot of the appointment time, a lot of the contact. But unfortunately, it seems, you know, from your own experiences, and I've seen this, deep frustration, because there's been moments where you've you've said to me, you don't feel like you're ever going to be pain-free. You felt despairing about the whole situation. Um, it's really a- affected you at times, personally. And and there's so many other people out there in the, in the same boat, I think. I think you're totally right on that. And you're not the first person to say that. Our resident GP, Dr. Ellie Cannon, last month spoke about a growing debate in the NHS doctors community uh, about the benefit of physio for many patients Um, And when she wrote this article, we received a flurry of letters from patients who were frustrated that they had been constantly sent to a physio who had been unable to help them with their joint and muscle pain. I've also been speaking to uh, another GP about this issue. And on the line now is Dr. Mike Smith, a Hertfordshire-based GP. Dr. Smith, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you talk us through how physiotherapy in the NHS has changed in the last 10, 20 years? So physiotherapy is obviously one of the things that we used to use when people went to their GP for a musculoskeletal complaint and we used to diagnose something that we thought could benefit from some rehabilitation from a physiotherapist. And it was usually a traditional method where uh, someone would see someone for you know around 6 to 12 sessions they would develop a rapport, a relationship with them, develop some exercise and hopefully rehabilitate them well on the way to where they were before. You know, there are some other circumstances such as people recovering from an operation, but in terms of how most people would access their physiotherapist through the NHS, that's the way it used to be about 10, 15 years ago. About 10 years ago, when people uh, started getting more qualified in physiotherapy and we ended up with what was called physiotherapy practitioners, people who were the had the ability to not only treat but diagnose treatments and sometimes even prescribe and arrange tests. Uh, These became our physiotherapy practitioners and a series of models around the country uh, started piloting the idea that people could directly access uh, physiotherapy practitioners so that they could bypass their GP and get the treatment they needed. Now the next iteration of that is something we've seen over the last few years in the advent of something called a first contact physiotherapist 
whereby someone would call their GP practice and what should happen is that they should be assessed to see whether their condition is appropriate for a physiotherapy practitioner to see and then they would be treated by that person accordingly given a management plan and once again they would rehabilitate to wellness the problem is is that it hasn't always gone to plan and these changes have happened in large part because of pressures on gps these kind of patients take up a large amount of doctors like yourselves time yeah, and, and I think it, it, it's a mixture of things. So basically, we have a, a load of funding got released to GP practices in 2019 around what they called additional roles. So this was money released to recruit additional staff to general practice. And this included people uh, in first contact physios, as they're called. But yeah, you know, it is musculoskeletal complaints are one of the top three things that people consult their GP about. Mental health being the other one and childhood sickness, acute sickness being the other. They're the top three conditions that people would see in general practice, usually. And, and how well has this first contact physiotherapy system worked so far, in your opinion? So it's been mixed. I think where it's worked, it's worked very, very well. I think the problem is that it's twofold. One, the biggest problem is, is that it's not being used as a first contact service. So what I mean by that is that people will see their GP realize that people need physiotherapy and instead of referring them to the physiotherapy service which is still happening in most areas they somehow feel that this is a quick access to a physiotherapist and book them in what they'd say inappropriately with a first contact physio and of course that's not a first contact physio that's second or sometimes even a third contact physio the the other side of this is that not enough care and attention is being given in some places to people having their condition screened enough to say is this appropriate for a first contact physiotherapist. And what I mean by that is they hear vaguely that someone's got foot pain and they go, oh, that must be suitable for a first contact physio. And rather than asking a few more questions, they find out actually it's nothing that a physio can treat or deal with at all. And what it does is it means the patient's journey is sometimes more protracted and they don't get the care they need straight away. So uh, in some places where they do do it properly and they do use it purely as a first contact service and they do manage to actually treat the person or stream them appropriately to the service and deal with them, then actually it does work. And sometimes what's supposed to happen is the first contact physio, if the person needs further physiotherapy, then has the opportunity to refer them to the traditional physiotherapy services. Or indeed, if they need something more, more invasive, then they can refer them to a orthopedic surgeon. That's how it should work in essence. Uh, to be honest, I think it's really a mixed picture across uh, England. Mike, I have this theory that patients are often being deflected onto these services. So you, you have the mass of patients, you say a third of patients coming in with aches and pains. And, you know, if you order all the tests for all of them and investigate and spend all the time you need to try and determine for all of them, you're never going to have the time. So what's happening or what, what may be happening is it's, it's a bit like when doctors say to people with blocked ears, go and drip olive oil in your ear. You know, some people will go away and do that and never come back. Some people will resolve on their own. And then some people will have a persistent problem and they'll come back. But it's, it's a sort of way of kind of easing that, that pressure, that bottleneck or whatever. Do you think that's what's going on here that, that, you know, by sending someone off for weeks of, you know, doing exercises at home, you know, some people are just going to get better on their own. And then the ones who are really ill will come back. I, I think there's an element of it is it, we are kicking the can down the road a little bit. I do think there's a huge element of that. I think that, um, you know, the, the frustrating thing about musculoskeletal conditions is that 
usually there's something else happening as well. People get arthritis because they are overweight. People get arthritis because they have other health conditions. People um, with other musculoskeletal complaints, sometimes it's more nuanced. And I think that we should be, rather than being this service that sits outside general practice that we can deflect people to, I think if we embraced physiotherapy practitioners as part of the team, then actually we could probably use them more effectively. But I do take your point that actually there is this sort of temptation when things are really busy when you hear that it's vaguely musculoskeletal just book them and see the physio and if it you know and if, if it's something to worry about it'll precipitate its way back up again i do think that happens to some extent uh, it's a shame because it is a wonderful resource when it's used properly i, I just don't think we've quite grasped how to use it uh, across england yet mm. and and i guess you know it, it, there is a kind of bigger picture of of the difficulty in treating chronic pain full stop there's so much investigation that kind of needs to get to to be done and you know people are so often misdiagnosed or given wrong you know not given a diagnosis at all and you hear about these these kinds of things you know for instance i know something just pops into my head that women with endometriosis spend you know 8 years on average uh, being shuttled around having appointments being told to come back and uh, etc so I guess what I'm saying is that there seems to be a, a kind of a situation with just the difficulty in, in, in tackling this kind of mass of people with, with long-term pain conditions. Yeah, and, 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 you know, it's not going away. We know that, you know, 30% of the population are suffering from some degree of arthritis. We know that it's a problem, that the number of people, the burden of that disease is growing. And we know that actually the number one symptom that people present with, with arthritis is pain. And, and actually, we know that, chronic pain is not just about treating the pain it's about the myriad of symptoms that sit between beside that as well as the psychological aspect of it i think that the difference i'd say between conditions such as endometriosis and musculoskeletal and at the risk of having a massive lynch mob of all orthopedic surgeons around the world it's very much more binary it's you know whereas endometriosis is very subtle it, you know there's lots of symptoms that can mask it there's lots of symptoms and the, the tests are slightly more nuanced Actually, musculoskeletal medicine is very much more scientific in that there are only so many things that can go wrong with a limb or a joint. And um, actually, the tests, if done properly, uh, and, and I mean the tests at the bedside, not the test uh, scans and x-rays, are actually largely superfluous. And actually, the true, the really good physiotherapy practitioners won't investigate much at all because it's so obvious from the clinical examination. And actually, when they do investigate, and some of my close orthopedic friends will say, the only time for some scans is when you are planning an operation, not when you're diagnosing. So I, I think that we, we do overcomplicate it. What I th the, the opportunity I think that's missed is like you say, Barney, it's the ones that actually they have a myriad of symptoms and we're just trying to pigeon them whole mm. into the MSK bracket. Because it could and be the, and the, the other part inflammatory, like inflammatory conditions as well cause joint yeah. pain and you, you'd be missing those, I guess, with this kind of very surface level. Well, well, actually a good physiotherapy practitioner should be able to pick on inflammatory joint disease. You know, once again, that, that's one of the things about it is that they, they should be able to pick up on that. Indeed, the ones in my practice, not only do they pick up on that, they start the first line of blood tests to investigate that. And if they need to, they can refer them to the specialist. I think that the difficulty comes is that it's when they don't have access to the whole practice team. So what I have is a good relationship where they can contact me and say, Mike, I've just let you know, I think this is inflammatory arthritis. I've done this uh, X, Y, and Z blood test, and I've referred them to a specialist. And then I take over the care and then do the next bit myself. It's more about the relationship of the FCP within the practice 
rather than their skills or who they get to see. And I think the problem is, is that it's more that when they're seen in isolation as just put all the people with MSK over there and if they ever get anything wrong, we'll deal with them. I think that's the attitude that's wrong. As I understand it, a lot of these first contact physio sessions take place over the phone these days. How important do you think face-to-face is when it comes to physio? Well, you know my views on face-to-face consultations. I think across all disciplines in primary care, we need to do more of. I can't really understand there's much that you can do over the phone with physiotherapy. It's quite difficult to say, okay, shake your foot left and right. Does it hurt? I mean, what are you going to do? This is a, this is a discipline which involves a careful history, which I know you can take over the phone, but importantly, a musculoskeletal examination which is very nuanced. You know, the, the, the basic components of a musculoskeletal examination are look, feel, move. And you can't do look or feel or move over the telephone. So I just don't understand. They also need more than 10 minutes. They need a good 20 minutes at least, I would say, to make sure they get to the bottom of it. Because it is a you know, musculoskeletal problems, although I like to think they are relatively straightforward in how they present, they are quite complex to interpret sometimes. Do you also see patients who who come back to you and say I've seen a physio and it has made much difference and I haven't had much luck getting more information or getting a different approach from them and then they kind of come back to you maybe out of desperation because they want a different opinion? I do but I think that looking to the reasons behind that is important so if someone comes back to me and they've got that I'm largely suspecting there's something else going on other than a musculoskeletal problem So is this something to do with chronic pain? Is this something to do with psychological uh, problems? Is this a medical problem that's manifesting as aches and pains in the joints? So I largely look at that as being something that I do need to see. I don't look at it as a failure of the MCP service because actually I trust my my FCPs to do what they need to do first. But it does happen and inevitably it will happen in the same way that if I if some people go and see my practice nurse, sometimes the problem is more complex and they need to see me or they go and see my paramedic practitioners. I, I, but I think I'm going to go back to the point and probably to sound like a stuck record. If you've got a close practice team that works in a multidisciplinary way, then that's not a problem. As long as you're handing over patients, not rather than handing them off. I don't see what the problem is with that. That's how medicine works. But it is all to do with the fact that we can't just put them in a telephone in, in a room with a telephone 30 miles away from the practice, expecting them to provide a, a service that's good for patients, because I just can't see how that happens. One, one of the things that we were told a lot by readers was that they were given all these exercises, and they just didn't work, and they tried, but it just didn't help at all. And why do you think that is? So I, I think, yeah, the other aspect of this is that it's how physiotherapy practitioners, FCPs, are employed. So what you often find is that, and once again, there are, this is not, always, and there are exceptions to the rule, is that there are companies that subcontract first contact physiotherapy services to practices. Because they're a company, they are very much looking at efficiencies and being very sort of formulaic. And a lot of them, and once again, I've I've approached these uh, in the past, is that there'll be a telephone call and all of a sudden they're emailed the standard advice leaflet on shoulder pain. Now, once again, I think that that is just cutting corners and cutting costs. I think that I I really don't like that approach. I think that is not in the true spirit of trying to diagnose patients. You know, patients are complex. They're not, they're not sort of things you can, after three minutes on the phone call, send them a leaflet and deal with it. Because broadly speaking, particularly in my patients, they've already looked online at what they can do themselves. They've already looked at the exercises they can do themselves. I think it's for me, it's being able to understand 
why people aren't engaging with the exercises and helping them to do them, which is part of the gift of being a good physiotherapist. Because it, a lot of this stuff is is online. I mean, you can go on YouTube or TikTok and, and you can type in shoulder injury, uh, what exercise should I do? So really, a physio these days has got to be able to separate themselves from basic stuff online, right? I, I agree. I mean, otherwise, they're just a very inefficient version of Google. Yeah. First thing I do with, uh, when I get a musculoskeletal complaint and is I go to, uh, I'm going to plug it because it's a charity, it's called Versus Arthritis, but they do a range of exercises for things way beyond arthritis. And they divide it very helpfully into wrist pain, shoulder pain, knee pain, and they give people exercises to do. I think that's my first two go-to uh, point for musculoskeletal conditions. But if basically people have tried that and failed, what's the point in going to a physio where they're just given a different leaflet? For me, it's understanding why a patient is finding it difficult, why it's not working, and then perhaps looking for an alternative diagnosis, which is why you need a first contact physio rather than Google. Dr. Mike Smith, thank you very much for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. I think it's also important to point out that there are many examples where physiotherapy can be highly effective for people with very serious health conditions. Um, the most obvious example is rehabilitation after a stroke. There's great research to show it helps with stroke patients. The same with cancer patients who are building up muscle strength. It can also slow down the degenerative effects of Parkinson's. But I think what all those conditions have in common is that the physiotherapy is very intense. They will see these physiotherapists once, maybe even more than once a week. Physiotherapy may even happen in hospital. And as I see it, physiotherapy is about a relationship with this physiotherapist who you, you can trust and who will give you advice throughout the kind of recovery process. Mm. And a 10-minute phone call isn't that. It doesn't come anywhere close to that kind of care. I mean, is that not what happened with you, with your physiotherapist? You didn't did develop a relationship with them? I saw, I've seen about six different physios, four of them were NHS, two were private, and the private ones were better, and I, I feel happy that I spent that money because you feel like you get you get an hour with someone and you can sit down with them, you can talk to them what the problems are. Another very controversial point with physiotherapy is hands-on therapy, massage therapy, which back in the day was very big on the NHS and now it's basically been abandoned by the entire NHS because there is very little evidence that massage helps. But patients really like it and I've had it and I agree. I think it, I think the effects are limited. I think maybe a lot of it is in your mind. But I think when people, and I include myself in this, have long-term pain, you want to feel like someone cares and someone's mm. listening and someone's trying their best to help you. Mm. And I think what we currently have is a very impersonal NHS physio session. I saw a physio about my hip pain last year and explained to them that um, I couldn't run more than 1K, 2K without terrible agonizing pain in my hip. And the physio said to me with a complete straight face, have you considered just not running longer than two kilometers in the future? Really? I'm so, <laughs> what did you do? So no, I kind of walked out in shock. I was couldn't believe that that's what it was. It was 
I just thought there was going to be... lower your expectations. Lower my expectations. <laughs> but you wouldn't accept that in any other field of medicine. That, I don't know. I, I know you want to inject some balance in this, but we seem to have veered back into the actual subject here. Is in that that the, the, It's given me this vibe that I get from alternative therapists. You know, alternative therapies that, are, you know, there's no evidence that they work, but some people say, oh, well, it worked for me. And, you know, the answer is that they could well have got better anyway, no matter what it is. You think acupuncture healed your uh, hay fever? I do. I d- it did. So do you not I think s- that would have got I better on its pro- own? No. L- listen to me. It was like switching off a tap. It was dramatic. I have never experienced anything so night and day in terms of symptoms. I went in with hay fever like you wouldn't believe. I was so suffering from hay fever. I would have I would have rolled around in 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 the mud naked and run down the high street. I'm not if sure you how that told me <laughs> if you told me it would work for curing my hay, I would have done anything. And I did not think for a second that sticking needles in my face would work. And uh, by the end of the session, I was almost symptom three free. So why shouldn't you it know, was dramatic ma- massage therapy like a bunch of work this for this? Is complete digression. No, I, I, I think that there's an, there's an amount of th- that people would have got got better anyway. And then you've got another group of people that you can say if they don't get better, it's because they didn't do the exercises properly yeah. in the first place. So it's their fault. So you know, it's it's a win win for the therapist, really, isn't it? So you know. It's never going to be the fault of physiotherapy that no one gets better or half the people. Yeah, I think people feel guilted. We, we got that a lot in the letters we we read from our readers this last week. People feel like if it doesn't work, it's their fault. And they feel like the NHS has very little sympathy for them. Mm. If their terrible arthritis, you know, doesn't get any better, it's because they didn't do those exercises enough every mm. day. Even mm. though it hurts when they do these exercises every day. That was something we've heard a lot. Mm. And then these patients would say, well, can you give me a massage to to help with the pain? And the physiotherapist would say, I'm not allowed to put my hands on you anymore because that's not under the under the NHS guidance. But do you really think that massage works for anything? I mean, it's it's lovely, isn't it? It's it's a nice bit of pampering, but it's not really gonna No, I I probably I probably think uh the evidence is correct. I think it probably doesn't work. So the, why why should the NHS pay for it? <laughs> I think pain requires a holistic approach where you give people just time mm. and you give them attention mm. and you give people the confidence that they will get better. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, there's a drive towards social prescribing. So people have to go off and do gardening classes yeah. or whatever. So why not give them tokens to go and... And they, they give you gym uh, membership tokens as well, don't they? You could get m- massage tokens. Why not? That'd be great. Sign me up. Can you imagine the, <laughs> the NHS massage therapist? Oh. <laughs> A luxury, a luxury <laughs> option there. We'll leave you with that lovely thought of Ethan being massaged by an <laughs> NHS worker. You can read all about this searing investigation and all the latest health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday, which you can consume in newspaper format or on the Mail app. And we'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.